Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 162 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to my dear friend, Dixie. Dixie lost her son, Parker, both suddenly and tragically when he died playing baseball, the game that he loved so much. Dixie told me after we stopped recording that she is so happy to have been able to share Parker with so many people so that they could understand his amazing personality and all the wonderful things about him. And I am just honored to help her share Parker with many people. Remember, if you would like to share your story, you can certainly email me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at andysmom.com because I love to hear stories. I love to help share stories. I do feel like by sharing these stories and by hearing these stories, we really help lift each other's burdens just a little bit. I hope that you feel that too. So for now, sit back and listen to Dixie, Parker's mom. Thank you so much, Dixie, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today with me. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for everyone to get to meet Dixie today because I've gotten to know Dixie quite well now through our little support group that we kind of do, and it's been fantastic. And so I'm just honored that Dixie is willing to kind of tell her story and Parker's story to all of you. I just know you're going to love her. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you start out just by talking about your son, Parker? Yes. Well, Parker was born on August 7th, 1977, 1997. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, he was a preemie. He was five weeks early. But he was fine. He just had to learn to latch on, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and they just wanted to make sure that his oxygen levels were good before they sent him home. Yeah. But he was healthy and got to take him home after 11 days. And then he grew very quickly and was extremely healthy, happy baby. He was fun and vivacious. I have another son who is 29 now. Okay. So he had an older brother. Uh-huh. And Zach was so excited to have a little brother. I mean, just thrilled. Yeah. They're four years apart. Oh, I bet he was excited. Think about four-year-olds. So loving. Yes, yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And they were just so cute. And, and one thing about Parker is very early on, he had this just strong propensity towards sports. You know, that was his yeah. thing. Yeah. And so like at three years old, he could throw a ball. And it was like a rocket. And it was, it was just kind of bizarre because 
I'm not athletic. And my husband is not super athletic. He played tennis, but, and so we just were trying to figure out where he got this from. (laughs) Both boys played sports, but Parker was, he was just good at any sport he took on. And he was a swimmer also. As he grew, uh, he started in swimming and the, the coaches were amazed because even at a really young age, like five, he would just watch people do things and he could do it. You know, like the flip at the end yeah, um, that, that they do. Well, the coach was like, I am so shocked because he said he only watched people do it. Then he got in, swam to the end and did the flip. Wow. And he said, I've never seen anything like that. And so he was a very good swimmer. He could do, they all had him in all the, you know, different competitions. And we did swimming and baseball uh, all the way through elementary school. Mm -hmm. And in addition to being sporty, he was super curious and very busy. Yeah. He was funny, really funny and just a great friend. So in, in sixth grade, he had to pick kind of, because, you know, swimming, you have to kind of do that every day. Right. He was like, I'm going to pick baseball, mom. So he picked baseball mm-hmm. and uh, which was fine with me. I wanted him to do whatever he wanted to do. And so we became a baseball family. Both boys played baseball, but he was just so dedicated to it. And the other thing is we discovered in second grade that he had dyslexia. Okay. It was so funny because we thought it was so cute. He would always say things backwards. Yeah. He wrote a few letters backwards, but you know, that's not uncommon when they're young, but um, he would say things backwards. Like when he was hot, he would say, when he was really hot, he would say he was cold. Okay. And things like that. We were like, oh, isn't that cute? (laughs) You know, but eventually we realized that there was something more going on. So he had dyslexia Mm -hmm. and we, we just, I just sat down and talked to him and I said, you have dyslexia, which means you have to work a little bit harder than other kids. It doesn't mean that you're not smart. Right. And you can do just as well as they do. And you just have to work harder. You'll have to be more organized. Right. So we got him into tutoring and, and he did all the things that he was told. He was so precious about it. And so anyways. Yeah. Yeah. He just, oh. I'll never forget somebody one day he was really doing something really a lot of times dyslexic children are really good at something. I think sports might've been his thing. Yeah. Right. So I said, um, Oh, you know, you're just doing so great in baseball. I mean, I I just can't get over it. How well you're doing. Look at your hitting. And he'd say, well, mom, it's because I have dyslexia. (laughs) So He never, I never, I didn't want him to feel like he was less than. Right. And what I wanted to understand was that effort is really important, you know? So it's not about the smart kid or the kid who's not smart. It's about, it also could be about effort. And he really took that on. And so he was extremely organized, even going into middle school. I mean, he would pack his, his bag the night before. He'd have all his clothes laid out and he kept a calendar and he kept a to-do list. Extremely. His room was neat as a pen. Wow. I mean, he was just, that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. He always was working on what he needed to do to be better at, at things, you know? And, um, he never, he never gave up. He just always kept striving. Well, and I love how that attitude that he had about, you know, that he was good at baseball because he had dyslexia. Right. I mean, it was like, yeah. it was like, well, I can't do this quite as well. So that gives me room to be able to do this awesome. I mean, that's just a great attitude to have about it. Instead of yes. a lot of times that you can get a little bit, especially in a middle school age kid, you can get that, oh, poor me kind of yeah. thing. And he didn't have that at all, it sounds like. 
he didn't, he would tell kids all the time, I have dyslexia, you know, and, and so, and he didn't, it didn't bother him because he had other strengths and we focused yeah. on his strength, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, and he did actually end up doing very well in school. I mean, he was not an all A student, but he did well. Yeah. So I was just super proud of, of how he took all that on and handled right. it so well. Right. But baseball kept progressing for him and he wanted to play college baseball. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want people to know about him is that he had is equally a beautiful heart. Yeah. He was a very good person, like a kind person. Mm-hmm. He was very loyal um, and genuine. He was the type of person that would his girlfriend, he had a girlfriend for six years. And um, they met in, he was, they met in middle school, but he started dating when he was in 10th grade and she was in ninth. Okay. And he was very loyal. One thing she told me is that he would, if they were at a, let's say they were at Walmart or something like that. He would literally, if he saw a woman struggling to get her things in the car, he would pull the car over and she'd be like wondering what he was doing. He'd get out and go help her get her bags in the car. And he would run to the door to open it for people. And the other thing is that he was really close to my father who passed slightly before Parker. Wow. And so my dad was 88, but Parker, they were very close and he would actually call him every single morning during high school. Really? Every morning. But and if he missed, it was unusual. And so they were super close. Yeah, I guess. So he kept with baseball and um, he was just a buddy to me. It, he noticed people's, he noticed details about people, mm-hmm. you know? he was the person everybody called about if they wanted to know what to give somebody as a gift. Okay. Or to stop at the store and get, he I'll always noticed details and um, I'll, I'll just never, under, I mean, it's just amazing to me, you know, to be a teenage boy and to be like that. Right. For sure. When so many are so self-absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was just so sweet. And after he passed away, we used to, we got a lot of stories from people saying how Parker came to them and helped them in their times of need or, or sadness, you know, mm-hmm. and that was really a gift to get those stories. And I still get them sometimes. That is nice. So he played high school baseball and, you know, he always invited us to the games. He never acted embarrassed or anything like that. He was, he was always coming up to me after the games. I mean, just was a sweet, sweet, sweet young man and a buddy to me, really a sidekick mm-hmm. in lots of ways. So, and his girlfriend as well. They, we all, we hung out a lot. And the, all these boys were always at our house. It was like chaos all the time. You know, I loved that. I loved the chaos and the noise. Yeah. Um, and that's something a lot of people don't realize is that we went, because my older son was, was out and he was married and, has, and he has two girls now. But at that time, well, he went to college before, before Parker. Right, so right. he was going to college. And so it was right. exactly. And so it was just chaos. And I loved it. And they don't understand that he, even when he went to college, he came home every weekend. Oh, really? And he was home as much as he could be home, even sometimes during the middle of the week. This is Parker? Or Parker? <laughs> this is Parker. Mm-hmm. So we went from this really kind of energetic, vivacious, happy home to total silence. Yeah. You know? And the silence is just, it's just so loud. Yeah. You know? That is true. And I try to explain that to people sometimes because they'll say, well, wasn't he away at college? And I think, well, (laughs) you know, that doesn't make it any less painful. Right. So anyways, he, and in in fact, during college, some of it, he lived at home because 
he went to one school that was close by and then he moved home for a little bit and went to a small school. Then he decided, I want to get back into baseball and he transferred. Okay. He did all that as on, on his own. Mm-hmm. I never got involved in any of that. And I always supported his dreams. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, he, he went, to, then he went to college and yeah. but we spent every time we could together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just had a great heart and he was just a good person, loving, kind, and very funny. I miss his humor so much. Yeah. He can make me laugh so much. Yeah. And he made me laugh at myself, which was a really good thing because I take <laughs> myself very seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is a good thing to be able to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was Parker. It is Parker. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing Parker. So why don't you talk about him, his baseball in college? Because that was super important to him. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yeah. He went to that. So, so he went to a small college first. Yeah. He, um, and he he liked the school, but, you know, he didn't love it. And um, he was just wanting to kind of try something different. And he wasn't really sure if baseball was where he wanted. He loved baseball, but he was like, I'm not sure if I should try to keep doing baseball because maybe I should just focus on school. Right. So he came home for a little bit and went to like a technical school. Yeah. And then just for a short period. And then he got his act together and he, but he was doing fine in school. He just wanted to figure out what he wanted to do. Right. It's so hard, right? To, it is. Yeah. It is. And I'll tell you, college sports is tough. You know, they are tough. They, you really are dedicated to it mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of time outside of that. So he was just trying to make a decision, but he missed it for the the semester he was away from it. So he said, mom, I want to go back to playing college baseball and I want to see how far it'll take me. And I said, that is perfectly fine. So he starts emailing coaches and he gets a couple of interests and he decides to go to this one school that's about three hours from here towards the coast of South Carolina. Okay. And um, we were like, that's great. Go enjoy, have fun. A little bigger school uh, than where he had been before then or? Uh, about the same size, okay. probably. It was a small school. Uh-huh. And his hope was that he would do well there and transfer into a larger school and finish up. Okay. So he wanted to just, he knew, he, he said, I can't play pro ball. I'm not that good, but I would like to just play ball as long as I can. Right. Right. You know, uh-huh. and then maybe coach it or something. Right. So he even thought about being a sports psychologist. He was really interested in all that. Right. Cause your, your background is in counseling. Yes, yes. And so he loved the mental part of the game. So he transferred to this large, to this smaller school, but um, yeah, he was in his element. Yeah. He was loving it. He lived in a house with other ball players. Yeah. And um, some of them he already knew. And they were having the best time. And he was dedicated. And he just kind of just everything just kind of fell into place. He was, he became the starting shortstop. Okay. He was getting involved in all kinds of things on campus. A leader. Yeah. He was a leader. Yeah. He was helping the younger ball players. In fact, they, they told me that every time he came to something, he brought another person along. So we have these wristband, these, one of these sweet young boys had a band made that says his name. And then it says, bring others along. Oh, because wow. he just would say, you know, I'm going to go. He practiced all the time. I mean, he just dedicated his whole self to that. Mm-hmm. And so it paid off for him. That's what happened to him. He was he was the starting shortstop. We started going to see him play. Yeah, we saw him the weekend before he passed away. Yeah, he was perfectly healthy. He was 
vibrant. He hit a home run right when we arrived there. He hit a triple in the game. He was doing great during in between the game. Uh-huh. Uh, there were two games and he introduced me to all his friends was just thrilled. He was thrilled. He was so happy. And I kept staring at him. I kept looking at him because I kept thinking, and I know he was probably wondering what was going on, but I was staring at him thinking, you're so beautiful. I mean, he has these thick, bushy eyebrows and this dark skin and this curly hair. He looked like one of those old 1970s baseball players, you know, had that kind of look. And I I know I kept staring at him and he looked at me and I said, you're just beautiful. I just can't take my eyes off of you. And, um, and we actually had a picture made together, which I never did because I don't like how I photograph. So I said, I want a picture made with you. And we did. And I actually, we used that photograph a lot for different things mm-hmm. to honor him yeah. because it was the last weekend we saw him. Yeah. And he even came up to us and he said, thank you for coming to my game. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, where else would we be? Right. right. You know, right. he was just so, so kind. And that was the last time I actually was able to see him in person and hug him. Yeah. What a blessing that weekend was for you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. It was. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk now about what happened then to Parker? Yeah. So, so the next week we talked all the time. Yeah. But on Friday we talked, we FaceTimed Mm -hmm. and uh, we had the best conversation and he did say that he missed my dad. He said, I miss Papa. Yeah. He said, I said, well, he said, I can't wait to see you this weekend at the games. I said, I can't wait to see you. Um, and we joked like we always did. Yeah. Of course, we said we loved each other and, uh, and we quit FaceTime. Yeah. The next morning I went to work. We all went to work and his girlfriend was in town and she went to her job. I think she was at her job. I'm not sure. Some things are fuzzy for me. Yeah, you know? sure. Mm-hmm. I never went to lunch, uh, very rarely went to lunch. I usually ate at my office, but that day I went to lunch. Mm-hmm. I went out to eat. And so I'm one of those people that if I'm with somebody, I don't really look at my phone. Yeah. And so uh, I guess they had tried several times to get a hold of me. So I'm sitting there with my friend and in walks my husband and he looks panicked and he panicked and he said, we have to go. Parker has collapsed on the field. We have to leave now. And I said, okay. And so my friend said, I'll take care of everything. And I said, okay. And so we got in the car and his girlfriend was already in there because they had actually contacted her first. Now, some ball players had texted her and said that they thought he was having a seizure. Uh-huh. So on the way, it's a three hour drive. I have to be honest with you. The last thing from my mind was that he was not, he was gone. Right. I thought, okay, he's had a seizure. I don't know why he would have a seizure, but right. we're going to find out. Right. We're going to get him to the best doctors right. and we're going to figure this out, you know, and we'll be there. Maybe, you know, it wasn't heat exhaustion. I didn't think because it wasn't that hot. It was March 29th, 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are driving and trying to get there as quickly. And we're talking to different people and you know how you get different information. Yeah. And finally, we call the hospital and where he's been taken. Now we've been told he may be helicoptered to another hospital. So we're thinking, okay, we might have to change our plans en route and go to a different school. I mean, a different hospital, Sure. but we get about an hour and a half in there and the doctor calls and he says, are you driving? And we said, yes. And he said, can you pull over? 
And my husband threw the phone and he said, no, because we knew what that meant. And so we, um, we pulled over on the side of the road and he told us, he said, I'm sorry, we've tried, we tried everything. We worked on him for a long time, but we never got a pulse back. And I'm so sorry that your son is gone. And so we got, all of us got out of the car and we literally are on the side of the highway yeah. and we're crouched down. It's amazing what your body does, you know? Yeah. We're crouched down on the side of the highway, just screaming and crying. Uh-huh. And we can't believe this is happening. And I can't imagine what it looked like from cars passing by, you know, it was just so, and it seemed so surreal now, you know, right. We were just sobbing and crying and, then you have to figure a way to get back in the car and keep driving, right. you know? And my, my husband's just clutching the, he's clutching the wheel, wheel. I can picture that. And I'm crying and I'm trying to let, I immediately went into letting people know, like my family. Yeah. I did that too. You did? Yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking, I look back on that sometimes and I think, what? I don't know. I guess I was in shock. But, yeah. Um. And I think part of you thinks there's going to be a different outcome. I don't know. Yeah. I always felt like too, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So I felt like I needed to say it, keep saying it so that maybe a little bit of me would believe it. I don't know. But I started calling people like right away in the ambulance. Yeah. Seconds after, I mean, not even a minute probably after I was told. I'm on the yeah. phone with my best friend and my pastor and, you know, like people. Yeah. You know, you. I think it might be shocking also that you, like you said, you're kind of saying it because it's like a cry for help. Yeah. You know, in a way I need help. Right. You know, right. It's, it's right. So we, we get there. It, it seemed like it took forever. And um, the coach came out and met us and then they walk you in and they tell you again that they tried everything. And then they said, do you want to see him? And I was, we were like, yes, I'll just never forget that. I'll never forget going in that room. Yeah. Cause you're not supposed to see your child like that. No, you're not. You're not. Yeah. He looked so beautiful still. Yeah. And I'll never forget his hands. They were beautiful. But they let us stay as long as we needed to. And then they told us that they had to, we had to, you know, wait for the quarter to get there and take him. Right. I'm glad you got some time with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his girlfriend was there with you this whole time too? Yeah. It was my husband, my girl, his girlfriend and me. And then some of the players were allowed to come in. Their friend, his good friends, his roommates. Yeah. Because it was just sudden on the field, right? Just sudden. He collapsed on the field running. He was. They were doing sprints, mm-hmm. and he collapsed. And uh, one thing is that people told us that he was he he was leading the pack that day. Yeah. Um, he was. He had gotten there early to work harder. Yeah. Um, on fielding, and that he was fine. He was perfectly healthy. He was running. He was leading the pack. The guy running with him, his partner, he said that at the last sprint, they turned around and Parker looked at him and Parker said, are you ready? And the guy said, yep. And he said they took off and he looked and Parker wasn't beside him. And he turned around and Parker was close on the ground. Yeah. And so 
they they all went to him and you know they called 911 they tried CPR the coach did CPR and um, I think they would have got an AED I'm not sure if they used it or not yeah Amnitz is really close so small school small town but I don't know it was just sudden cardiac arrest right we don't know why we've we've had genetics looked at it there's no genetic component for what he had I don't guess we'll ever know why I know that's so hard isn't it not the yeah. not knowing at all why and it just doesn't make any sense right no you want it no. to make sense you want yeah. there to be some sort of reason that it would have happened I I feel like yeah. And I, and people will say to me, well, did you know he had a heart problem? And I'm thinking if I knew he had a heart problem, do you think I would have let him play baseball? I mean, you know what I mean? I just, I'm just always shocked at what people say, you know, it's just like they want, I think they want to wrap their self, their mind around a reason. Yeah. You know? I, I also feel like people say that because they so desperately don't want to think it could happen to them. And they yeah. feel like there has got to be some reason that I can say that this happened to Dixie and Parker. Yeah, that I don't have right that 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 makes it so it couldn't happen to me. I I feel like there is a lot of that. Like, if they can come up with a reason, then they can justify how that thing can't happen to them. You know, I think so too. Like if they knew there was a genetic component, or if they knew that right. you know, um, if someone in your family had had some sort of thing that you yeah. know what I mean, yeah. and then it could be yeah. like, well, I don't have that in my family, so I don't have to worry about it. But, right. but when it's, when they don't have that, it's really hard. It's hard yeah. for people. Like, it is. It I is. mean, even with our car accident, it was through no fault of Eric's, right? It just, right. the woman just ran into us and just killed Andy. There's like no reason behind it. So then it does, it's scarier for people when yes. they feel like, wow, there's nothing you could have done to prevent it. Right. And yes. I would say in both of our cases, there was like nothing we could have done really to prevent it. And that makes it scarier. Right. Right. I often think the only way I could have prevented it is if he had had it had 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 symptoms. Right. If he just said to me, I am so tired, I can barely go. Right. Or if he just said to me, my heart's racing, you know, or if he just said, I feel dizzy, but he never said any of those things. So there's and we used to get EKGs for his, we'd ask for an EKG because my husband does have a heart problem, but it was a different thing. It's yeah. a different thing. Okay. My husband's is more of a slow progressive thing, mm-hmm. which actually went, uh, got worse after losing Parker. Yeah. He, you know, this was a sudden cardiac arrest. So it was. Yeah. Just no warning at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, then we had to drive back and yeah, that was a long drive. And going into his his room at school was just, I mean, it was awful. It was so surreal. He had all of his, he was just, he was Parker. His room was neat as a pen. He had his clothes for the afternoon laid out. He had the day marked off the calendar because that was how he lived his life. And there was not a thing out of place. I mean, he was neat as, I mean, it was just seeing his clothes laid out for the afternoon. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that because it was horrible. Right. Right. We had to drive that. We had to drive back and then you start the planning, you know, and lots, he had a huge turnout for his, for his funeral. People just, we were just amazed by the love and support of the community. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, that all disappears after a while, except for the few. And the few are precious. And I've heard you say that. Yes. yes. The few are precious, right? Yeah. The few are precious. Yes. Absolutely. You just... And I don't even think they realize how precious they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then I sort of went off. I I mean, I am... I couldn't get out of bed for a long time and I got sick physically after that. I had several serious illnesses. I was a mess and I was, I was very, I didn't want to live, you know, I didn't want to live. And I have another son who's beautiful and I love him so much. Yeah. You know, I just adore him and love him. And uh, I know that people don't understand that, you know, they don't understand how you could have those thoughts, those dark thoughts and still have, a son here that you love so much, but it's, it's uh, not uncommon. I have found no, out. So not at, all. not at all. You know, I think you have kind of one, one foot in heaven a little bit, right? You just feel like you're just kind of on that cusp there. And a, and a lot of it, what I would feel like too, is, you know, I had other kids here, obviously, but in some ways, you feel like you're the mom. And you're supposed to like take care of your kids, and like, who's taking care of Andy? Who's taking care of Parker? And like, you know what? I can leave Eric here, and he can take care of the other two. And but I'll just go on and take care of yeah. Andy up in heaven, right? That's what it yeah. feels like. Yeah. Like you divide yeah. and conquer all the time as parents. Like just let me divide and <laughs> conquer, which yeah. seems like yeah. such a silly thing to say, but it really does feel that way a little bit. Like. No, if if I go and just I'm with Andy, there's still plenty of other people here to take care of the other kids, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly it. And my my son was already um, had a family, you uh-huh. know. Right. Right. A little girl, which Parker was able to meet his first daughter. Oh, that's. Good. She was born on February seventh, and Parker passed passed on March 29th. So, but he was able to hold her. We have a picture of that. But my older son just misses him so much and just really misses the influence and impact he would have on his kids because he would have been a fantastic uncle Um, because he's very playful. He was like a kid, like a big kid. (laughs) So he misses him so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little earlier about how you had worked as a counselor, but Parker's death changed that for you too. Yes, I was a school counselor in private practice. My private practice was going very well. But when I lost Parker, I worked mainly with kids and adolescents, a few adults. And I had to shut it down. I just couldn't do it because I was very cognizant of the fact that I couldn't do it well. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would be too tearful, too sorrowful, too, in too much pain. And that one of the reasons that I was able to be a good therapist was that I was pretty healthy mentally mm-hmm. and I was the calming person. I was the, you know, I could be that steady person. And so I knew at that point I couldn't be. Right. So I shut it down. You have to be able to give something when you're caring for yes. people like that. You have to have this well that you can kind of give from. And when you feel yeah. like it's dry for you, personally, you feel like you have nothing that you can give. Yeah. Then I think that is what you oftentimes need to do. It's what I needed to do, right? It's why I took so much time from doing pediatrics. Like I just didn't have, feel like I had anything to give at that 
moment at that point in yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, also you want to, I didn't want to ever make it about me. I yeah. thought, you know, what if, what if my face shows that all of a sudden I'm flustered or what if I start to tear up, you right. know, I mean, I just was really thinking about that, how that would be. Right. So I decided it, I would shut it down and not do that for yeah, I think there there are a couple ways to do it, right? I mean, I, there are certainly people that do work and what they probably do and what I have found that I have done is I put on the mask. Yes. And I yes. put on the Dr. Larson mask and they don't see the Marcy behind it. They see the Dr. Yeah. Larson mask. They see what I want to put out there. And for a time, yeah. I couldn't do that, that I wasn't even kind of healthy enough or able put on a mask. But now I've gotten to the point where I do. And I'm not always happy with the fact that I feel like I am putting on a mask to do my job because I I sometimes wish I didn't have to. Uh, But sometimes you do. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I I take, I said, I'll close it for now and maybe someday I'll be able to do it again. And I have gone back to work part-time as a school counselor and uh, I tell you, I'm just really grateful for the kids and that because they're just and the people, they're just so kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good start for me. Right. Right. That's like me. I started, yeah. I did just kind of some administrative work for a little while before I could go yeah. back to practice. And then what's funny is then I got to the point where I couldn't do administrative work anymore because I thought it seemed just dumb and that I couldn't. So it's just what you need at the time. It's just different what you can yeah. do at the time. Exactly. So I, I wanted to talk about this with you about grief, about just the kind of the concept of grief. We, you and I have discussed this a little bit in the past about how the word almost has changed in recent years. Yeah. I I kind of have this thing about it and, um, and I know that some people might not agree with me and that's okay. Yeah. But I think grief has been watered down Yeah, because of during COVID and things like that. I think now people will say that they're grief, they grieve that they couldn't go to the prom or they grieve that they lost a loss of a job or they grieve that they can't go out to restaurants, right. you know, and I'm thinking, okay, this has gone way too far. Right. You're grieving to eat out, you right. know, um, because losing a child is that's a human being. Yeah. That is your future. That's your life. That's your world. You cannot compare the loss of a child to the fact that you are not going to be able to eat out for a while. Yeah. And so I kept seeing this being used all the time. And I just, I just reject it. I just think, no, that can't be. And what we're doing by doing that is we're, we're really harming people who are grieving the loss of someone that's so a person that's so important to them. Yeah. I, I just 100% agree, agree. And I have said, and I've definitely said it on the podcast, you know, during this time of COVID, everybody's grieving something. And that is true. Everyone is grieving yeah. something. But you're right in that it's too bad that that's the word that's used. Because then it makes what we're going through seem less in some ways. I mean, I mentioned this to you that the pandemic for, for us, it was really challenging because there were a lot of people who had 
these grand plans that they were going to honor Andy in certain ways. So he, Andy always played baseball every, every year, like Parker, not nearly as good as Parker. He never would have gotten to do anything although he was planning to play high school baseball and he was so excited because he told me he was going to be a two-sport athlete in high school because he was going to play he was going to play soccer and baseball and it was only because he was in a small high school that didn't have very good sports that he could be a two-sport athlete because otherwise he would have never made both of those teams but he had was so excited about it but anyway they had said they're making this plaque and we were submitting a picture and doing all of this stuff and we didn't do it, so he died in August. They, the baseball season here was just always in the spring. And the next spring, it was too painful for us to do. Uh, Peter was still playing ball on the fields. For him to walk past a picture of his brother every day was going to be too difficult, whatever. So that would have been, that was spring 2019. So that meant it would was planning to happen spring 2020. And we mm-hmm. all know what happened in spring 2020. Right. The pandemic happened and we didn't hear a thing from anybody because the baseball season was canceled. The next year, you know, the baseball season happened, but by then no one remembered the promise mm-hmm. that they had made to us, you know? And yeah. and I, I think about his middle school was going to t- have this, they were going to have a bench. They were going to have this nice little area to honor Andy and the teachers were very excited about it. And I said, you know, this is going to be a little too hard for Peter while he's in that school because he started that middle school right when Andy died. He said, I, I had talked to Peter about it. He said it was too hard for him to see a reminder like that. So it was going to be as soon as Peter was done with middle school, then mm-hmm. they were going to do this. Well, you know, two months before Peter ended middle school, the pandemic hit. And I didn't hear anything from anybody. So it's that I think we all got a little bit as grievers, got a little bit lost in the shuffle because yeah. everyone started turning in and looking at their own losses, which I understand are difficult for people. But then we kind of got forgotten a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that they honor their promises to you and their ideas. I hope that they do follow through. I don't think that, you know, the years for us. Yeah, I know. If they did, if they said to you this year, we're going to do it, you would, if you, if you felt like you could handle it, it would still be. I I would love that. But yet I don't have the courage to ask because I'm sure I could ask and they would be like, oh, I'm so sorry we forgot. We'll definitely do that. But I just don't want to have to ask. And since I'm not going to ask, I feel like it's not going to happen because now it's been another couple of years and I I just don't think it will happen. Yeah. You know, and and the other big thing that was canceled that is still happening is there was supposed to be an Andy Larson Memorial concert. Um, and the very first one, and it was canceled. I mean, it was literally about a week after everything shut down. That was supposed oh, wow. to happen. So that that was canceled. Um, that was the first thing to cancel because that was March of 2020. And that is happening um, this next March. So there okay. will be that concert will happen. And the um, St. John's Men and Boys Choir f- is coming from England to sing just as they had planned. So, cause they had, they had sent someone over and they went over stuff. I mean, I was talking to this 
you know, person from from St. John's there about all the logistics. We had sold all the tickets. We had done everything. And so that will happen now. And I'm, I'm glad that will happen. But it does seem like a lot of things just got overlooked. Yeah, yeah. And see, that does, see, you have a true loss in yeah. your son, Andy. And then that adds to your pain. Right. It just kind of piles on the pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember somebody saying something, they were asking how I was or something, and they made some sort of joke about how everyone is faking it or something. And I just looked at them and I, and I said, well, because this is, you know, it, it was several months into the pandemic. And I said, well, I've been doing this for two years because I just thought, you know, please don't, don't put me in the same boat. No, like, you know, so many people talked about how 2020 was like the worst year ever. And then it was like, well, maybe 2021 is just as bad. And like, that's doesn't hold a candle to what happened to me in 2018 or you in 2019. Not even close. So it's so hard as a grieving person because then you feel like you can't even say it because it feels selfish, right? Like you had said... I don't even know if we should have this conversation on the podcast. And I said, I don't care. I think we should have this conversation <laughs> on the podcast because because I think it is important for people to realize that there's a real difference. Yeah, there is a big difference. And what they don't understand is that not so. So we were all already in so much pain. Yeah. That being isolated, we're already isolated. Yeah. You know, especially parents of children that have passed are extremely isolated yeah. because, you know, people are so uncomfortable with it. <laughs> right. Right. You know? And I do have so. to say, I mean, there were some, a few little blessings of, of the pandemic in that way is that not that this was good, that I was isolating, but I was like terribly isolating. And then suddenly, well, we're not having church and we're doing church online. And then I was like, cool, because now I don't have to go and face people and I can isolate and people aren't looking at you like, you're still just sitting in the house. You're not coming out. You're not, you won't do this. You won't do that because nothing was happening anyway. So in that, it was a great excuse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But in some ways too, it didn't push me to try to get a little bit better, right? Because I think your friends don't maybe notice. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I think a lot of people will, a lot of my listeners will agree and will, and maybe make some people think a little bit about that. And yeah. just even about how you use that word. And I don't know. I wish there was a different word. <laughs> Yeah. I think I said, you could be sad and you can be disappointed that you didn't get to do certain things. Yeah. But it's not the same as grieving the loss of a person that you, that you love so much, you know? And I just want people to understand that they're watering that word down a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I really like to use the word lament in some of these situations. Yes. Because I feel like my loss of Andy, I show lament. I mean, I am broken and torn apart. And if I, and that's a word that I don't think anyone would say, I lament the loss of have prom. 
right? Right. They're not right. going to use that word for that. They're, they'll say grieve, but they won't say lament. And so I've, I've taken it upon myself to try to use the word a little bit more because I feel like that expresses the gravity of it a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was in the, my one of my first support groups that I went to that they started, they used the word lament. And I thought, that's what this is. That's what mm-hmm. this truly is. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you talk about the book, Nicholas Walter Stock. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Somebody gave me that book, Lament yeah. for a Son. Yeah. And I, I love that book. I've read it several times, but, and he's so right in yeah. that book in so many places. I, I, but yeah, that's what you're doing. We're lamenting. You know, this is this is a pain beyond anything you could ever imagine. I could have never imagined no. it. And I had lost both my parents, you know, and I was very close to them. So I I could have never known that there was pain like this. No. You know, that just you wake up with it. You go to bed with it. You carry it with you all day. You know, yeah. it's just it never leads you. And I just love that image of feeling like you're torn apart because that's, that is what it is. You feel like you are just ripped apart and aren't at all even the same person that you used to be. No, no, because before you didn't know the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You know, you didn't know. So you were in this world of thinking that I, I can find order for some loss. Like when you lose a, I mean, it, you lost your mother very young. I but did. I did. And that's but still, different. but still it was in the right order. Right. right. She was 42 yeah. years old. I was 21 years old. And that was way too early, obviously younger than I am now by quite a bit now, but I in still for me, it was in the right order. Mm-hmm. I mean, for my grandmother, yeah. obviously it wasn't to lose her daughter, right. but for me, right. it was still, it was young and it was tragic and was horrible, but it was in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just so different and it's just hard to explain to people. I don't think they get that we ne- it never leaves you. That's what I don't think they get, yeah, you know, so. because they compare it to the grief that they know, which is a, a, not an out of order loss. Right. So they are like, okay, you can put that aside for a bit, but you never do. It's always right here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is always right there. And that's hard. And honestly, in some ways for me, recently, I've had more trouble. Like I I told my therapist just today, I said, I feel like I'm going backwards. I know I'm not, but I feel like I'm going backwards. And she said, you're not going backwards. I said, I know, I know. And I tell people, you're not going backwards. But I'm just, I feel that way. I feel like I am because I have, I've put an expectation on myself even that Others think I should be better. So I, I feel like I think I should be better. And when I cannot meet that expectation, it makes me feel like I'm a failure and I'm going backwards. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It does. And it's it's sad that I put those on my, those expectations on myself, but I think we all do it. Yeah. And, but you know, growth for us is so, is so different than other people, right? Like even when I was a therapist, and I would measure growth for people, but for us, it's so much slower and it's not going to ever be one way linear. You know, it's going to be like, we might have a little growth and then we're going to, yeah. you know, it's just more like this. Yeah. I like, and, a, um, like a zigzag kind of pattern. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And that's okay. You know, what I've come to do is to say, it's okay. It's okay that I'm, I'm going to be broken the rest of my life. I don't want to be, I wish it was different. But I can't be, I, I've said to people, I can't be anything than what I am. Right. 
So you either accept me for this or not, but I can still love you. I can still care for you. You know, my, my older son is just so sweet. And he, he took me out to eat lunch on my birthday Mm -hmm. and he wrote me a card and in it, he said something that was just beautiful. He said, today, your birthday will never be the same for you, mom. And I know that he said, but that's okay because, and he, he said, he said, we will both be sad, but that's okay because that's how much we love Parker. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. You know, that is just a beautiful way to think of it. That's, I love that. I love that. It is. That card means more to me than he'll ever know. (laughs) Yeah. Because I want more than anything to still be a good mother to him. Right. And for him to know that. He's a grown man. Yeah, but but you're still his mama. You're still his mama. Mm -hmm. That's right. Always. Always. Yeah. And you're still Parker's mama too. I'm still Parker's mama and I'm so proud of him and I'm still a mama bear, you know? <laughs> That's right. Right? right. We never right. stop being a mama bear. No. So I protect his memory and I share a lot of quotes and pictures and memories and things like that. And um, I think sometimes people judge that, but yeah. I don't care <laughs> because it's, it's my life and it's hard and I have to live it and they don't. Right. And you just so. don't want him forgotten. And right. I know it makes other people uncomfortable when you keep bringing them up, but it's what we need to do. Yeah. It yeah. is. I mean, I, I do not expect other people who have two kids to own, that are living to only talk about one of them. Right. I would not judge them if they would, you know, if they want to talk about both kids and not just the one I can't I wouldn't put that sort of limit on them so it's interesting that people tend to put that limit on grieving parents that like they did only talk about your living children now your living children are your life your dead child is part of your past please just focus on the ones now like that's ridiculous I would never do that to other people yeah so why they do that I don't know. I've sat in a room where they've talked about my dad, my mom, mm-hmm. um, other relatives that have passed and don't mention Parker. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you're really not going to talk about Parker? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's unbelievable, you know, but yeah, nothing surprises me anymore. I think they think that if they bring up Parker, they will hurt you. And they don't realize yeah. that not bringing up Parker hurts you. Yeah. And you may cry a bit if they bring up Parker, but it's nothing compared to that bitterness that you feel when they don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's rich. One, one only hurts for that. Well, it always hurts, but one hurts for those moments yeah. while you're crying. Right. It feels good to release that. Yeah. The other one hurts forever. And it's funny know? how that crying really can be a release and feel good sometimes. Like, yeah. so just, just this week, I wanted to replant some flowers at Aunt Andy's grave. I wanted to take out the, you know, the marigolds that I had and put in some mums for fall. And I'm in the parking lot and I'm upset about doing it because I never like to do it, right? No one should have to go buy flowers for their son's grave. Right. And I'm in the parking lot and I get a text from the mom of Andy's best friend because he's gone off to Michigan State and she was just talking about how she was thinking about last year at this time and about senior pictures and how so how she never posted 
any senior pictures of her son online because she knew I couldn't. Wow. Wow. So she was just thinking about it. And, and Yoni has been, he's at Michigan State and he's been having a little bit of a hard time because, you know, it's weird because Andy was going into the ninth grade. They were going into the ninth grade, but Andy loved Michigan State. And now Yoni is at Michigan State and he feels like Andy should be there with him at Michigan yeah. State. So it's yeah. been, and, and they used to like, if we had an extra basketball ticket, we would bring Yoni and like, he never had done anything Michigan state related without Andy. So it's yes. been a struggle for him to do this without him when he feels like he should be there, even though it's been four years. Right. Yeah. So I'm in the parking lot and she sends me this message and now I have to go buy flowers. So I have to go in and I, you know, and the woman asked me if I need help and I'm crying. And I told her, cause I can't be too big because I'm planting them, but they can't be out more than 12 inches. And so she's helping me find the right size. And then I'm having to tell her, you know, it's for my son's grave. And, and, and then I'm leaving the store and I thought, you know, I wonder what that mom is doing right now. So I asked her if she could meet me at the cemetery to plant those. You did? I did. I did. And she was home and they live super close to the cemetery. And so she came over and we planted those flowers together. And I cried and she cried and I left and I felt so much better. Yeah. Having cried with her, I was just a little bit lighter. And, you know, no one would understand that. And, and I don't think she understood that even, that I actually felt better because I'm pretty sure she felt worse, you know, after crying with me for a bit. But it really took some weight off. And I, I, she said, I went home and I just cried and I feel so bad that you're going through all of this. And I said, I have to tell you, I went home and I felt a little bit better. So thank you for doing that for me because yeah. it didn't make her feel better. And I'm sorry for that, but, you know, it was nice to be able to yeah, just to have yeah. a little release. Yeah. And you asked her, which took a lot of courage. And she said, yes, which took a lot of courage. And then you, you're able to help each other that way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I know she reaches out cause I, I know she struggles, you know, she still struggles. Certainly seeing yeah. her son struggle as well. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, but it's just, it's just again, a reminder that, tears and crying can be really helpful and a release and make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we can't help it, right? We just, it's, it is what it is. We're going to cry. Yeah. And that's okay because our sons were worth those tears. They're yeah. worth every tear, they are. you know, they're still worth every tear. I want to talk about the things that have helped, which is your podcast, yeah. meeting you online support groups. Yeah. And then especially a group that I meet with of three other moms on Fridays that are amazing. Just just being in the company of other mothers who know this pain and let you be you and sit in that pain with you. We all do it together has just been the biggest help for me. And then there's a few friends that actually like your friend that met you. Yeah. That could actually be in that dark place with you Uh that haven't gone through it, but they're willing to come to to come close. And that's so precious. And that's precious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to share today? I think that's it. I think. Yeah. 
I just love talking to Dixie and getting to know Parker just a little bit better. I felt like I got to know things about him that I didn't know before. So I love that. I really appreciate it so much. And you and your podcast and just you have been so much of a help to me. Well, thank Um, you. I can't thank you enough. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.